Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Remember last Friday, Bishop came and talked to us, talked about living from the future. Remember that? That was profound, right? Oh, man, this is going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask the same question 900 times today. That's what's going to happen. I can feel it in my spirit. Mike, you remember when Bishop came, right? Yeah, and he talked about uh, living from the future. You remember that? That was good, right? You guys in the bag, remember, 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 talked about it? We, get, we stay stuck in the, bat, in the past. We think our past determines our future, right? But our past does not determine our future. What God has called us to determines our future. And so, you know, we overly focus on our past successes. We overly focus on our past failures. But God has a promise He's moving us toward. Amen? And if God is in the future calling us to something, then your past is not nearly as important as you might think it is, right? But we need to get in the Word. We have to rightly understand the Word, we have to rightly divide the Word of truth. We have to properly discern the Word so we can see what God really says to us. One of my great grievances in this day and hour in the Spirit-filled church and the church in the West in general is that uh, we, we somehow twist the Word of God to try to get what we want. And the lie in that is that we somehow think we know what's best for us better than what God has for us. That's the lie based on two things. It's a lie based on the fact that we don't really trust God for our future, and we think we need to come up with something better. And it's a lie that says that what I come up with is better than what God could come up with. These are two lies mixed into one, and we gravitate toward these things that make us our own God and get disappointed that we don't get what we wanted to come into. And uh, I, I just I don't speak this as a rebuke. I speak this because I know God is going to ignite something in some hearts today, and he's going to move us somewhere. I don't want to preach this too much. I got a lot I want to talk about. Let me let me let me tell you this. John chapter one verse one. Don't put it up. You know this verse, right? Everybody knows John one one, right? In in the beginning was the word. Come on, say it with me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We know that one, right? You can put up. We know that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like, because because first things matter in the Bible, right? The, the first things that are said matter. The first time a subject comes into the Word matters. It determines something. It lays a foundation. But we all know John 1.1. You all know Matthew 1.1. A little more quiet. It's probably just as important as John 1.1. Put it up if you would. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. That probably means something. That, that probably means something. Son of David, son of Abraham. There's a three-person family tree at the very beginning of Matthew. Now, Matthew was writing this gospel. He had a different audience, of course, than John. We've, we've talked about that. But just like John was establishing something that this Greek concept of logos is greater in the logos of God, Jesus, Matthew is trying to establish something to the Jews of the era that Jesus Christ is the heir of a promise. And so he says that his, he is the son of David, son of Abraham, a three-person 
family tree, of course. The end of that tree is Jesus, an important character in the New Testament. Amen? Yeah, Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God, second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, right? Before him, we find David, who's the son of Jesse, but that's not how we see him here. Of course, this was a whole millennium, a thousand years before Jesus walked the scene. God raised David from the humble origins as a shepherd from Bethlehem to rule as, a, as Israel's second king. David led Israel to its pinnacle of power and glory and became the ideal for a future messianic leader that ultimately found fulfillment in David's descendant, Jesus. He showed success in a whole bunch of ways. He was a, he was a shepherd, but he was a, a military leader. He was the king of Israel. He, was, he, was, uh, he wrote most of the books of Psalms. And, and uh, God made a promise that he would forever have a descendant on the throne of the kingdom of Israel. So this is, this is who they're calling the father of Jesus. And the grandfather of Jesus, we, 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 we see Abraham. And that's going back another thousand years. So we got Jesus about a thousand years back. We got David about another thousand years back. We got Abraham. And in, 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 in Romans chapter 4, Paul says that Abraham is not only the father of David, but he is the father of everyone who believes, who has faith in God. And everyone who is a child of God, you need to put that up, Romans 4.16, and everyone who is a child of Abraham gets the promise that Abraham got. That's important. That's important. If you, if you, if you had a, a, a wealthy relative who passed away, you, you, you mourn, of course. You're, you're sad. You, you, you are upset that they leave. But inevitably, you begin to think about the will. Right? I mean, you begin to think, what, what happened to the stuff that they got? Don't know, you've got to be honest with me here. You think, first of all, oh, it's so sad that rich Uncle Johnny is dead. I'm, he was such a nice guy. And um, I wonder who gets the money. Right? Like, this is, this is, you want to hear the will. Now, if it's your father, you're particularly interested to know because you just assume if, 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 if Daddy Johnny died, you have to now be responsible for everything that he amassed. You're responsible for the estate. You're responsible for the things that he was responsible for. If he owned a business, you've got to make sure the business is taken care of, the employees are taken care of, that his affairs are taken care of, or the government comes and takes it. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Yes? Now, now, if Abraham is your grandfather, and Paul said that everything that was promised to Abraham is promised to you, it might be important to get the will out and find out that what Abraham had so you know how to steward what is now yours. Amen. That's a good word right there. God has promises in your life that are sustaining you right now in ways. Go ahead, Sonny. God has promises in your life that are sustaining you in ways you can't see at this very moment. I want you to get that. Right now, God made promises to Abraham. He made promises to David. And He made promises to Jesus and through Jesus about those who have faith in God. And there are times in your life that you feel like you are in the pit. And there are the promises to these saints that are sustaining you in ways you do not even see. 
You know when you come through that breakthrough and the other time you look back and you're like, oh my God, God was with me that whole time. You, you know that. But now when you're in the valley, and I feel like some of you are in the desert season right now, if instead of waiting till the future, right now say, there are promises sustaining me right now that I do not even recognize, but God, let me see what those promises are so I can cooperate with you to see them come to pass. Bishop talked about living from the future, and we need to look back and learn from the past, of course. Uh, we need to be able to understand how we got here, but the important part of figuring out how we got here is so that we can lean into the future. Amen. There's a trajectory of your family tree. Hopefully it's a good one. Hope, hopefully it's one that you like. Hopefully it's one that you respect. Hopefully it's one that you're proud to pass down to your children. Uh, my, uh, my family and my wife's family, we, we both are, are people who have come out of something. Amen. We both have come out of things and we're hoping to break family generational curses, as it were. Uh, we, we, we hope to leave for our children a better future than we had. And part of that is, and this is what Christians get bad sometimes, part of that is telling them the journey of how I got here. You see, we learn how to be Christian so much and we fake it and we act like we've always been this way. And instead, we let our kids know. Well, we, we just sit around the dining room table and I'm like, oh, at your age, I had some serious problems. My, my son is 21. My daughter is, is 18. And, and their life is very different than my life was at 18 and 21. I had some, I had some issues. Amen. I love being able to say I had issues as if I don't now. Of course, I, I, I do now. Um, my, my, my issues now are less destructive than my issues I had then, but, um, but uh, I, I had some issues. I had some self-control issues. I had some sin issues. I wasn't saved, but not only was I not saved, I wasn't even doing good for someone who wasn't saved. Amen. Like, I, was, I, was, I, was, I did unsaved really good. I did unsaved as good as I do saved, right? And so, and so uh, I, 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 I had to sit down with my, with my kids, and we're talking, and as they're legal age to drink, and as they're in parties where there's alcohol and there's substance abuse, i got to let them know. I say, hey, you know, you come from two lines from both of our sides of addiction. There's addiction in my wife's family. There's addiction in my family. There's, it's a problem. And, and I don't want to, I'm not speaking a curse over you or any of that spiritual stuff, but, you know, doctors say that some of this stuff could, could be genetic. And so you may have a predisposition to become an alcoholic if you don't keep that thing in check. We've we got to tell our kids, listen, because when I was your age, I didn't manage that. And so there were some substance abuse problems. Uh, by the grace of God, I never had a drug issue, but I drank like a fish for too long, right? And so i got to tell my kids, listen, it, this thing can become a part of your life, and it's not a good part. And I need you to know that there's a predisposition in our family line, but in your, but in your mom and my decision that we were not going to allow that to be our testimony, and we've passed down to you a, a family that does not get tore down three days a week, four days a week, right? Like this isn't, this isn't your norm, but I don't want you to think that this has always been the norm. This is something we have purposely established in the Thomas name. Like we have decided to give you a better future than we had. And, and, and we didn't just, you know, skip to Malu into it. Like, it took some work. It took a lot of work. And, 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 and we want you to recognize what it took us to get here so you don't have to do the same thing again. Now, 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 now us Christian parents, we, we have a tendency as our kids get older to think that we're Holy Spirit. We, 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 we tend to think that we're Holy Spirit, and we get to tell them how to think and what to think. 
We treat our we treat our 14 year olds like we treat our four year olds. When you can go out, when you can come in, what you can touch, what you can taste, what you can, and you got you treat you treat a 16 year old like a six year old, and you will soon find out that you don't have a 16 year old anymore. You got you 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 find yourself at the prayer meeting, Lord. Can you pray that my daughter come back, that my son come back? Because you treated a 16-year-old like a, a six-year-old. And you got to begin, you got you to let them know at the beginning, listen, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm giving you information that you didn't have to learn that I learned. You could do whatever you want with it. If you want to become a raging alcoholic and destroy your life, that's fully your choice. I recommend you don't. Let me tell you what it's cost me, and I would recommend you don't make the same decisions. And I would tell that to any any young person today, any, any, any young is, you know, younger than me, right? Uh, I, I would tell that to any person today, you know. I, I have learned some things on this journey of mine in Christ, and I have, I have hit some speed bumps, and I would recommend that you listen to what it's cost me to get here, and don't, don't, don't pay for what's free, right? We, 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 have given you, we, we have given you some wisdom and victory. Uh, it's up to you. It's up to you what you want to do with that. Uh, I can't control you. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit's job, and I trust Him. But, 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 but I want my kids to know what it cost us, what it cost us to come into this place of living in a city I never thought I would live in, owning a house I never thought I would own, pastoring a church I never thought of. I mean, I remember when I got saved, and uh, you know at the end of worship when like the anointing falls and it's time to get up? And I remember like, I got saved and I was like, all I want to do with my life is get on stage at the end of worship and prophesy. That's it. That's it. If I could do that, that would be, I'm good, right? Like, that was it. And I remember going to my pastor and saying, man, I, man, I would love to do that, but, I, you know, God can't use me. I've sinned way too much. And uh, he's like, what? I'm like, no, nah, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I've been deep, right? And, uh, and, and then I began learning the ways of Christ, and, and I had to come out of a lot. It took me, like, I had to be transformed into a new person gradually, day by day, through the Word, by the Spirit, consecration. And over time, the Lord was able to consecrate me enough to actually use me as a vessel. And, and I want my kids to know, hey, we, it took us. It took us something. It took, it took trusting God. It, it took being faithful. It, it took faith. It took miracles. But, but, but you don't want to start over again, right? Right? And, 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 and you know, we need to ask the question, what did it cost our father Abraham to get the promise that he got and how can we learn from our past so we can lean into our future? If He is, if He is the Father of faith, and if He is in our line, what is my inheritance? This is what we want to know. What is my inheritance? And so today, you may have heard about Abraham. You may have read this a bunch of times. You may have heard, oh, I know this is that. And maybe you got taught on diligence. Maybe you got taught on the journey. Maybe you know all about the story. Maybe you know about faith. But I would like you to maybe trust God that He has taught something you haven't learned yet. It's possible that God has something that you haven't learned yet. And uh, I want you to maybe with fresh ears and fresh eyes, let's look at this story from a fresh perspective, because I, I believe, and as I was dedicating myself to study, and I have put a lot of preparation into this series, I have done a deep dive and allowed Holy Spirit to challenge me in ways that have been a little bit of, ooh, right? Uh, I, I believe God has something in that for us, and I believe that 
faith is going to be sparked in your life and it will unlock the promises of God. And I believe that it will empower some people in this house who are willing to listen attentively and put things into practice. Amen? Yeah, amen, amen. And so, hey, in the next couple of weeks, I want, you to, I want you to read Genesis 11 through 25. Not 11.25. I know there's some, some churches, if they get one verse in you, they're happy. No, no. Chapters 11 through 25. You know, read one or two a day. You got time. Just listen to like a half hour less of TikTok. Right? That's all you got to do. Just one half hour less and you'll have plenty of time to read the Bible. Let's take a, let's take a deep dive into this. You ready? Are you ready? I got a lot going on here, so I need to stay focused. All right? I'm going to move good. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. Quickly, hopefully. Okay, so as we study the Bible, it's super important that we don't, I know it teaches a lot, this hermeneutical uh, uh, lens of not getting too narrow of a focus, but let's see the story that's trying to be painted here by the Hebrews, right? This story, again, I say this all the time, but I want to reiterate it to you today. This story was not written to you. It was not written about you, right? It was written to a group of people who would have understood the story by their people, right? It was written in a, in, a, in a time of turmoil to a people to let them know about their history so they could have faith for their future. But we can learn the lessons that they learned and then apply those lessons to our lives, all right? So in nowhere in this story are you Abraham. Okay, you're not Abraham. You are not the Chaldeans. You are like, we are not in the story. But God will use the story to teach us some things about God and His ways, okay? All right, this is good hermeneutics. Let's just look at the Bible for what it is, right? It's the Word of God, but it wasn't written to you, right? So, 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 so in chapter 11, we, we read the story of uh, the, the Tower of Babel, right? And in the story of the Tower of, Babel, the Tower of Babel, everybody came together, and they thought that they could touch God through their own power. I'm not going to preach that, though I would really like to. Uh, and so in, in this, God came and scattered them, scattered them all over the land, he confused their language, and he scattered them. And as you read the genealogies, Abraham's dad was part of that scattering. We don't know if Abraham is there. We certainly know that his dad was part of that. But out of this, out of this chaos of, of people being scattered everywhere, we learn of a man named Terah who took his family from Ur of the Chaldeans, to enter the land of Canaan, right? But, but he didn't get there. So this man, Terah, took, uh, he had a grandson named Lot. Uh, he had a son named Abram. Abram had a wife named Sarai, right? Later on, we'll learn in another week that Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Sarai was changed to Sarah. And so if I goof up and I call Abram, Abraham, and Sarai, Sarah, same person, God changed their name. Give me grace. All right, we good? Are we good? Okay. So, 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 so the first thing, we hear this long, they tell the story of the tower, and then we hear a long genealogy. And the first descriptor we hear about this family was that Sarai was barren. Say barren. Barren. So, so, so as we learn, this is the first descriptor of this story, we learn that there is a family with barrenness. This barrenness. And this entire story is talking about from barrenness to fertility. That is the entire story we're going to learn over the next several weeks. We're going to see how 
that happens, okay? So we learn this. And so Abram, his, his dad eventually dies. They don't actually get into the land of, Abra, excuse me, of Canaan. And so Abram, whose wife is barren, we, he's out here. We just see him. And so we see this guy, that this, this, this grandfather of Jesus of faith, as it were. He's there. He's got no dad. So he's got no inheritance, right? He's got no children. He's got no one to pass it to. He's got no land because he hasn't gotten anywhere yet. Here is a man with nothing. In another word, here is a man in barrenness. He is in barrenness. He seemingly, because of that, has no future. And into this barrenness, God speaks. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. You ready? Let's look at it. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I, I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. And so shall, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be, say it, blessed. Listen, if we're going to learn from the past, but live from the future, we need to rightly discern where we come from and where we are going. We need to rightly discern where we've come from and we need to rightly hear where we are going. We have to learn, hear me, that faith is a journey. Faith is a journey. And your faith is not where it needs to be yet. My faith is not where it needs to be yet. Your faith is not where it needs to be yet. The church, revitalized church, our faith is not where it needs to be. But God is speaking into the barrenness, bringing us into a future we have not seen yet, bringing life to words that have not been fulfilled yet, because it is a journey. You, Abram, this church, it's all on a journey of faith. And we, we tend to focus on the promise instead of the pathway to the promise. We, we, we hear the word and, and, and we just we focus on that. And I'm here to let you know, if, if we focus on the journey of faith with God, God will take care of the promise. Listen, I, I, got, I got three things I want to show you today. I don't normally break it down that way, but I, I, I just I want to compartmentalize this as an introduction to this series. Number one, God wants to show himself mighty in your life. God wants to show himself mighty in your life. You know, we read about verse 2 and 3 where God makes all these promises, but we forget verse 1. Verse 1, God says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. Now, as far as salvation goes, salvation is by faith in God. You put your faith in God, you are saved. And is that locked in forever? Can you not be fully saved? That's, that's, that's all tertiary theology. The important part is, if you have faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross 
for your sins was resurrected and ascended into heaven, and you have faith in Him as your God, then you are part of the family of God, right? That, that's the important part. But I want you to hear this, that the promises of God are always conditional. They're conditional on you completing the corresponding action. Now, as us Spirit-filled Christians, us Pentecostal charismatic, uh, if I can be honest and I can speak into our camp, our faith camp, we, we, we tend to fall, hear me, and don't get offended by this, we start to fall into magical thinking. Magical thinking is if God says something, things will magically happen in my life. That I don't have to do anything. I can just hear God, and then magically things will happen. Or, hmm, didn't happen yet. What God is waiting for is for me to really think about them enough. And if I think about them enough, they happen. Uh, okay, that didn't work. What I need to do is I need to say them more. And if I say the things of God more, then magically, they'll happen. And then when we get mad at God that they didn't happen, it's because either we didn't hear God right or I don't have enough faith right. But I'm here to tell you, God is not really into magical thinking. He's in the relational thinking where He gives you promises and He gives you a pathway to the promise, and we have to follow the pathway to come into the promise. God answers your dilemma, but not necessarily the answers you want. He acts like He's God. God knows what He's doing, and He wants to move us from our barrenness, but it takes a journey out of what we know and into the unknown. And this is where we trip up. If you knew what it would take to fix your barrenness, you would have already fixed it. You would have already come into it, but God is calling you into the dark, deep waters of faith where you can't take credit for the breakthrough. This is where God is moving us as a house. I'll get to that in a second. Come on, somebody. We're we, we on a journey. Amen. Tell somebody next to you, we're on a journey. We are on a journey. Listen, part of this journey is we have to journey out of what we learned in past seasons. It's a new season. There's new lessons for the new season. You've been saying, God, I want a promotion. God, I want to upgrade. You ever, like, get a, a, a promotion at your job and keep doing the job you used to do? Imagine you had an employee who just bagged the groceries and you gave them a supernatural upgrade and you sent them a letter and said, oh, today the Lord says you're going to be the manager of this grocery store. Hallelujah. And you know, no longer will you bag the peas, but you'll be in charge of all the peas, right? Like it's all yours and you show up the next day and you just start bagging groceries again. Like, I don't know why I'm not in the promise, God. Why am I not in the promise? Because you're doing what you learned in the last season. You're not coming into what has called you in the new season. You need to learn new things for the new call and the new season. But we keep doing what we got before when we got there. Listen, before, when you got the promise, you weren't walking in the promise. If you, if you were walking in it, you wouldn't have needed the promise. But the promise by the very nature of getting a promise means there's something new that needs to happen in the new season of the new promise. Amen. You might want to learn how to be a manager if that's what you're called to do. We need to journey out of what we trusted in the last season to get what God has for us in this new season. You had successful tactics in the last season. They won't work in this season. You remember Bishop said what you had before won't get you where you're going, so he had to bring you into a season of barrenness. 
so he can rebuild and speak into the new season to get you where you're going. That's what he spoke over this house. But it's what he spoke over you too. It's what he spoke over all of us. And none of us want that word per se. None of us want this season of barrenness to come into God building something, but he's God. For some of you, you're at the bottom. You're at the place of barrenness. You're like, I don't care what it looks like. I'm ready. I don't. Like, I already got rid of the old thing. I'm ready for something new right now. And that's a good place to be. But we sit in that barrenness holding on to, oh, we talked about this before, the, the melancholy, the lament. We keep seasons that God died alive by meditating on the grief of them dying instead of just reminiscing on the good times and looking forward to more good times. Instead, we keep that dead thing alive by mourning it forever. Oh, why this happened to me? Oh, why did this fall apart? Oh, if I only would have done that instead. You just, man, I remember that good thing. Looking forward to some more good things. Amen. Come on, somebody. That'll help you. That'll help somebody. This is the pattern of the Bible. This is, this is the pattern of the Bible. God wipes the slate clean to do something new. All throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, He wipes the slate clean to start something new. Elijah, you remember, had to journey into, into the drought before he could declare that God was the true God. He was already a prophet. He was already the prophet of God. But he had to journey into a drought so that God could build something new from him. The children of Israel, they got delivered from Egypt, but they had to wander in the barrenness of the desert before God could bring them into the promised land. Remember Christ himself, our Savior, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, you don't live 30 years without sin. You would think, like, if I go 30 years without sin, I'm expecting to get caught up, right? Like, 30 days without sin. I'm, 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 I'm expecting doves to land on me wherever I go, right? Like, I'm, I'm expecting to have, like, gravitational powers where metals fly toward me and things, right? Like, Jesus only lived 30 years. Holy Ghost falls on him. And his, resort, his, his reward was barrenness. The Lord took him into the desert because he was going to build something new. He's like, that last 30 years, good job. But now it's time for something new. In the desert, out of the desert came Jesus, the Bible says, in power. Amen. So God will lead us into a season of barrenness to strip away the distractions from what he really wants to heal us of. He'll take us into the desert. You see, you're, you're holding on to some good stuff from last season, but chances are you're holding on to some bad stuff. My wife and I were at a pastor's retreat recently, and, uh, and uh, the pastor, um, uh, one of the days, um, he said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to share some of the, we're going to go around the room and we're going to share some of the highs and some of the lows from the last two years. And I was like, oh, God. COVID, you had some betrayal, had all kind of, man, I have, it's been, it's been, it's been a season. I don't know, anybody can rate what I'm talking about. Anybody, can anybody uh, testify? It's been a season, amen? It's been a season. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And I knew this a couple weeks ahead of time, we were going to share our highs and lows. My wife's like, what you going to share? I'm like, I do not know. <laughs> it's been a ride, right? It's been a ride. It's been a ride. And Bless God, I didn't have to go first, right? And so he uh, started at this other table of pastors, and the, and the first pastor, did I tell this story already in church? The first pastor stands up, and he starts his story this way. He said, five years ago, my son, he finally met the love of his life, and uh, 
Ten days after his wedding, he died in a car crash. I looked at my wife. I said, it ain't been that bad. It has not been that bad. He said, two months later, we had a, a youth event, and we had one of our youth drown at the event. Oh, I said, it ain't been that bad. It's, you know, I got a little fresh perspective on what's happening here in my life. And then he went on and gave God glory. God, you know, did all kind of amazing things in their lives. And the next guy stood up and made that guy's testimony look mild. I was like, oh, Jesus, I've been blessed and highly favored in this season. And the Lord is with me. I found out once, right? Like I was feeling, I was like, oh, I could, I could tell this story because I'm not alone in, in, in the trial, you see? Because so, in the past season, there's, there's, been some, there's been some trials, but there's been some testimonies. And the Lord is like, I need to strip back all of that so I can start over from the ground up. And this is what God likes to do. God likes to build a fresh testimony in your life for the fresh thing that you are called to. Can you say amen? So we talked about this. God wants to show himself mighty in your life. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, he's, in, he's not all that impressed with what you can do. He's just, he's just not impressed with your talents and gifts. Our worship this morning, good, yes? Very good. Very talented. But without the anointing, it was just like a neat little concert. God is like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Jesus sang a lot. Like, when they, when they read Psalms, I mean, like, in, in all the meals, they, like, Jesus was singing. I, could you imagine the anointing when Jesus sang? I mean, I'd have been the, you know how, how John was a disciple Jesus loved? I'd have been Carl, the disciple on the floor. Like, that would have been my name. Jesus is singing, I'm laying on the ground. I'm just poking in the anointing. Like, yes, Lord. You know, Carl, the disciple who has always had Jesus' hand on his head. Right? Like, I would have constantly been like, oh, we're going to go where? Why don't you just go ahead and lay hands on me first, Jesus? Why don't you just go ahead and spit on me, do whatever? Like, I, like could you imagine the anointing that Jesus was walking under? Like, right? It, it, it ain't just the man. It's the, it's the God man. Right? It's not just you, it's the God in you that's doing things. Then he wants, he, this is, okay, that's what he wants to desire. I've got to move on here because I'm only on point two. Number two, God wants to increase your faith and trust in him. God wants to increase your faith and trust in him. You ever hear somebody say, you know, never pray for patience because then you'll always find yourself needing it? No, no, no. That's when you find yourself aware of your need of it. You were ignorant of your need for patience, and then you prayed for patience, and the Lord let you show how little patience you have. Right? And, and you don't understand how little faith you have. You think, oh, I'm a, I'm a man of God. I'm God's power for the hour. I'm, I'm a man of faith. I don't do... and, then, and, then, and then God puts you in a couple situations where you need faith. Why? Why would he do that? Because God wants to increase your faith and trust in him. Watch this, Genesis 12, 2. This is what God says to Abram. And I will make you a great nation. Who will make him a great nation? God will. God will make him a great nation. Not you will make yourself a great nation. I mean, I, I, mm, where are we at here? Oh, good. I got a couple minutes. I'll probably, yeah. Um, I, want, I want, you know, there's a lot of great preaching out there. There's a lot of social media clips of preaching. I want you to be aware, man. I want you to be super, super aware of sermons that want you to believe that you can make you come into the call. Who, who will be glorified if this word comes to pass? I want, you to, I, want you to be, I want you to have an acute ear to hear for this. 
Who gets glorified in this victory? Is it you or is it God? And, 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 and God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. Not I will give you leadership principles. Not, not, not I will teach you structures and, and principles. But I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. I will do this. Is God, and this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to increase your faith and trust in Him. But he says this, come on, amen. But he says this to Abram. Watch this. He speaks this to Abram in the midst of his barrenness. Remember, no dad, no country, no children, no future. He's not rich. He didn't have very, almost anything. But God tells him, I will make you a great nation. Like, how are you going to do that? He's 75 years old now. At 75, you kind of figure where your life's going. If not by, you know, 40, 50, 60, 75, you've got a couple things figured out, right? Like, at 75, you're not thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll just start a country and have a whole bunch of kids. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not how you're thinking at 75. My wife and I, like, we're not sure we want another dog, right? And I'm only 50. I'm like, I'm, I'm not ready for that kind of commitment. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Like... This one's going to live a while. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for that kind of commitment. And at 75, God's telling Abraham, you're going like a whole nation. He's like, whoa, I'm ready for Medicare. Like, what, what do we? The right knee is starting to creak a little bit. I like to sit in, my, you know, sit in my chair and watch my shows at night. Like, that sounds like a lot of work, right? But God wanted to do something through Abram. But hear me, he first had to do something in Abram. Right? In order for Abram to understand God was all he needed. He had to take him to a place where the promise was all that Abram had. He had to take him to a place where all Abram had was the promise of God. And God wanted to let him know, is that going to be enough for you? Is my promise going to be enough for you? This is what happened to Jesus, the guy that we're supposed to be following. This is what happened to our Savior. Mary, watch this, was barren. She did not have a husband. She was a virgin. And, 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 and she had a promise from the Lord that out of her barren womb would come the Messiah, and His name will be Jesus, Yeshua, salvation. And Jesus, watch this, in His life, He lived and, and, and He left His heavenly Father's house to the barrenness of earth where there was no presence. And he walked the earth. He was raised by a mother with no earthly father. He had a stepfather, but he did not have a natural father on earth. He had no status. He had no inheritance from man. But he had a word of God over his life. And I tell you what, Jesus, the Bible even says that he didn't come up as somebody. In Luke 2.52 it says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. It's not just that Jesus had a word in one day. He was the Messiah. There was a promise over his life and there was a journey for Jesus 
from that barren womb in that, in that place of, of birth and where there was no room for them at the end, that, that very place where there wasn't even a house for Jesus and there was a journey. He went in with the Father, word over his life as he journeyed into the promise of God that he would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, making the enemies of God his footstool. And this is the pattern of God. It tied Jesus to the prophet Samuel. You remember Samuel in the, in the temple? Where was Samuel? Why was he in the temple? He was raised with no earthly father. And this, this is the word that came over Jesus that he kept increasing in wisdom and stature. This was the word over Samuel. Samuel 2, excuse me, 1 Samuel 2.26. Now the boy Samuel, look at it, put it up. The boy Samuel was growing in stature and favor with both the Lord and with men. The very same word over Jesus. It's there on purpose. This is the pattern of God. You may not have a natural father who is pouring into your life. You may not have a natural inheritance that you get to come into one day. But God has a word over your life. And He is bringing you into the promise. He is walking you through the pattern. He is walking you into His glory. This is the pattern of God. You can skip it, but you can never come into the fullness of your calling and blessing without it. And I want to tell you, this is Father's Day today, and I'm so thankful I get to be a natural father, and I get to be a, a, a spiritual father. But I didn't grow up with a natural father. I just grew up with a single mother. And I want to let you know, single mothers, those without an inheritance, and an earthly uh, uh, inheritance, those, those, those of you who don't have an earthly inheritance, or those single mothers out here where the father is not present, I, 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 want, I want to tell you that you have an inheritance with God, right? There, God is with you. God is anointing you. God is overshadowing you. You may be living in barrenness right now, but keep following Jesus. Keep serving in the house of God. Keep the testimony of God on your lips. Keep faithful in your finances. And God is going to increase your faith so you can move mountains and come into the inheritance that Jesus has for your life. I believe it to be true. I know it to be true in my life. You may not see it yet, but it is the promise of God for you. Hallelujah. God sees your plight and He is with you. Oh, man, I feel the anointing right now. Mm, 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 mm. Man, I just think we just need to thank Him for a minute. I just think you need to thank Jesus that you have an inheritance beyond your natural family. Come on, just take five or ten seconds. Just give a clap off for the Lord and just say, Thank you, Jesus, that my natural family does not determine where I'm going, but the promise of God over my life dictates who I am and where I'm going, though man has tried to sabotage my future. My God can do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. Just thank Him right now. Just put His praise on your lips. Get it in your spirit, man. Let the anointing permeate your spirit right now. Oh, man, I feel God is doing something. I feel God is doing something. I feel God is doing something right now. Mm, 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 mm. My, 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 my. Mm, my, my, my. Ooh, ooh, ooh. By the organ, we'd have a praise break right now. I just feel it. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my spirit. Come on, somebody. Mm, 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 mm. Number three. Oh, yes. I got I to gotta, gotta move on. Got to move on. Oh, Jesus. I just, mm, mm, mm. Just, just think of first. I just get it in you. Get, mm, shabakate. Yes, 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 yes. You just thank Him. You just stay faithful to God. 
You stay faithful to God in this season. I'm telling you, if you stay faithful to God, you're like, but it don't look like it, Pastor. Oh, you're a good candidate for a breakthrough then. You are a good candidate for God to do something miraculous. You are a good candidate for God to show Himself mighty on your behalf. You are a perfect breeding ground for the promise of God in your life right now. God likes to, he likes to clear the land and then plant the seed. He likes to, he likes to get it nice and fertile with His promise. You know, I was, I, I, I'm in the gardening, right? I need you to, man, I need you to hear this right now. I just feel this on my spirit. I, mm, I, I like to do a little gardening. I like to grow some plants. I like to grow desert roses. I like, because they're plants that grow in dry ground. I'm like, that feels like me. Hallelujah. Lord, I took some dry ground and put a little coral in it and out came something beautiful, I like to think, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, when you have plants in pots, uh, it's important to weed, like to get the weeds out of the pot, right? Why, why? Well, you know, number one, it looks better. Number one, it looks better. But number two, if, if, if it's a pot, there's a finite amount of nutrients in that pot. Hear me, there's a finite amount of nutrients. And what do you want eating that nutrients? The plant you want to grow or anything that feels like growing? You only want the plant you want to grow to grow in that pot. So you got to go in there every now and then and look for some stuff that's growing that ain't part of the promise. You need to plug that junk out. It's hot out. You know, I'm, I'm a little tired. I don't feel like I just want it to be beautiful on its own. I want some magic thinking. I don't plant the seed. Now give me the plant I want, right? But no, no, I got to put the right nutrients in that pot and I got to take stuff out that are robbing nutrients from the promise. And so God, every now and then, it looks like, man, I got to rip the plant out of the pot. I got to get rid of all the, like, the, 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 all the dirt that's got weeds in it, got weed roots in it. it. I mean, the roots go deep with weeds. And so sometimes I got to get the plants out. I get all the soil off the roots. I have to completely wash it. I wash it clean and then I, watch this, I have to get the plant, my desert roses, my adeniums, they're just beautiful. I get them and I leave them out on a counter because they're like a desert plant. So I leave them out on a counter for like five days and it looks like it's dying. I cut off all the leaves, trim back every single one of the branches, trim the roots, put it out on a, put on a ledge. Meanwhile, it's just, it's just drying up. It's drying up. And uh, these desert roses, you like their base to be nice and fat. That means that you, you did a good job, right? You know, like, kind of like secular music today. People like it nice and at the bottom. Anyway, um, <coughs> we'll, we'll edit that out. When we go live as a church, we'll edit that kind of stuff out. But you like the base or the, or, or the bottom to be fat in these things, right? And so what you do is they store water in it. And so what you do is you put it on the shelf, right? And it dries out a little bit on the shelf. But you're training it. Watch this. Man, this is, I'll tell you what, I wish I had pictures. You're training it. And so you leave it on the shelf for about five days and it kind of starts to shrink a little bit. And you're, and, you're, and you're training that thing. Hey, when I put you back in the water, I want you to, I want you to value when I put you in that soil, I want you to value the water and drink up as much as you can. That way the base gets nice and fat, right? It gets nice and thick. See, there's a lot of people in the church today, they're, they're, they're skinny. They're dry. They're thick. You know, just too skinny. You need a little bit of thickness. Why are they not thick? Because they don't value. They just think, ah, it's always there. The presence is always there. The, the Word is always there. The, 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 the promise is always there. It's always going to be good. And they don't recognize they come into a dry season and they got nothing to live off of because they haven't valued it. So I get my little desert rose. I trip it up. I put it in the base. I get it into some nice, valuable soil. It's got no, no weeds in it at all. Nothing nasty has grown in it at all. It's got the right fertilizer in it at all. And right out of 
nowhere, all of a sudden, this, the, the plant is like, oh my, I'm in a land that I can flourish now. And so I put water in it, and it sucks all the water into the plant. The base gets super thick, and it starts producing flowers left and right. But in order to get to that place of being thick and beautiful and flowering, it had to go through a barren season. And I'm here to tell you, some of you, you're like, man, God, what happened to the promise? God's like, oh, no, no, yes, absolutely the promise. This is part of it, though. I mean, you want to grow in the land of weeds? That's fine. You could be fighting for your little bit all your life if you want, but God is like, no, no, I got to do some pruning. I, 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 I got to change, I got to put you on the shelf a little bit. I got to teach you to value the atmosphere of faith that I have planted you in. I need you to be faithful in this little thing that I've given you so I can give you much more. I feel I can preach that. I, I went too long, but anyways, number three, let me just, just thank God again, if you would, please. Just thank Him. He's taking you through something right now. This is prophetic over this house and over your life. Number three, God wants to show the world that He is the one true God. I'm going to say it again. God wants to show the world that He is the one true God. God. This is the number one role of every prophet. It's not to tell the future. It's not to do magic tricks. It's not to make people feel better about themselves. The number one role of every prophet in the Bible is to point to the one true God. That's why I told you earlier, who, who benefits from this word? Does God get glory? Does God get glory? I don't have time to teach this. I'm going to teach that soon. But the prophetic flow on this house, the prophetic flow in your life, is to point people to Jesus. Sometimes God has to get you in a situation that only He can rescue you so the people around you can see that Jesus is alive. Can you say amen? He's got to put you in a spot that the people are watching and you let them know, oh, I know, i got a promise over my life. I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be somewhere. We were flying back from Tennessee and the plane was out of its mind, just shaking everywhere. It was going crazy and, and people were getting a little worried because it was a little, it was a legion air, you know. They don't want to waste fuel going around storms. So you're supposed to go, like, we want to get there nice and cheap. And I'm like, you know, <clears throat> I'm bouncing around and I'm like, I'm, I got a word for Sunday so I know we're going to land. <clears throat> God already gave me a word for Sunday, so we're going to land. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm going to read a book right now. I'm good to go because I, I, know, I know what my Sunday is going to look like, and it's not, you know, plane crash survivor, right? Like, that, that's, 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 that's victim. That's, that's not, like, i got a promise. And so God's got to get you sometimes into a place. Watch this. Genesis 12, 3. Watch this. He says to Abram, <clears throat> excuse me, he says, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. i got to let you know, my life is a sign. If you're part of this house, the prophetic anointing on your life is a sign. <clears throat> Have you made a covenant with God? I mean, I'm going to speak prophetically over some people right now. Have you made a covenant with God? Has God spoken a promise over you? Has He, has he called you for something? Now, I... I, I, I um. I believe this. You don't hear me talking bad about pastors. So I never met a pastor that didn't make a covenant with God. Even those who are messing up. And part of that covenant is, I will curse those who curse you. 
I got enough troubles. I, I don't. I don't need a God curse, right? Like I, I I'm just trying to keep the weeds at my plants, right? Like I, I'm just. I'm just trying to I, I keep my grass from not looking crazy. I'm just trying to. You know, I, I got. I got enough drama in my life. I don't need curses on me as well. Amen. Amen. So watch the words that come out your mouth, because people got promises on their life, and you speak it against it for your little petty whatever. Just, just, just let the Lord just clean your heart out a little bit about the gossip, maybe, about who you allowed, what curses you allowed to be spoken around you. Bring some repentance. Now, don't, 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 if, if you got caught up with some gossip about me, don't come to me and, like, Pastor, I'm sorry I said this about you. I don't need to know. I don't, I don't need to know. Please, do not. That is, like, the least edifying people ever do with the pastor. Pastor, I used to hate you because, I'm like, no, don't tell me. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. That's between you and Jesus, right? <clears throat> I don't want to respect you less. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I, 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 I believe, you know, I, um, there's an anointing on this house. And God has taken us through a season, and God is going to bless those who bless what God is doing here. Amen? Amen. I believe that. And you have a promise, and that promise is for your good and God's glory. And God is going to protect that promise. Can I get the band to come up, please? <clears throat> God's going to protect that promise in your life. God needs you to learn to walk in the promise of God so that you can be clean avenues of blessing for the people around you. <clears throat> you got to know that the promise of God over your life isn't just for you. It's not just for you. It's for the people around you. Now, some of y'all, your life is a mess. And just walking in any kind of blessing will bless the people around you. Your family would give glory to God if you just had just three drama-less days. The whole world would take notice and give glory to God, right? <clears throat> but the blessing on your life is not just for you, it's for the people around you. <clears throat> it's not just about you. It's about everyone around you God has called you to reach. That's why we've got to keep sharing our stories. We've got to keep sharing our testimony. Hear me. If you go on the faith journey with God... He will fulfill every promise in your life, and you will change the world around you. You say amen. <clears throat> Today's Father's Day. <clears throat> and it also happens to be Juneteenth. And uh, Juneteenth is a, man, it's a, it's, it's a prophetic, it's a prophetic holiday for this country. <clears throat> it's a prophetic holiday. Let me, let, me, let me tell you why. Give me a second. Let me, give me a second to explain this. <clears throat> so Abraham Lincoln, in 1863, January 1st, 1863, we, 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 we you know, he, the Emancipation Proclamation, he freed the slaves in the Confederacy. Right? We know that, right? Um, and so what people did was they took their slaves and they moved west to try to get away from the Union soldiers, right? So they moved in the West Texas, and by 1865, hear this, there, there were a quarter million enslaved people in West Texas alone. That is an insane number, isn't it? 250,000 enslaved people in West Texas. That is, that is insane. And that seditionist, Robert E. Lee, he surrendered in April of 1865. But Texas didn't free the slaves. Texas was like, well, we hiding out here. 
There's a little, we got a little deep root, we got a little weed here. We got a, a deep weed of slavery. We're not, we're sucking away the energy from what God's trying to do in the South right now. And so, and so we have Juneteenth, which is when the Union soldiers finally got to West Texas and declared, hey, that's, <clears throat> that's it. That's, it's, it's, that we're done with that. So June 19th, these slaves in West Texas were finally freed of their enslavement. Now, here's what's super important about this, <clears throat> prophetically. We don't celebrate the day of the Emancipation Proclamation. We celebrate the day that everybody got free. It ain't just about your breakthrough. It ain't just about your promise. It ain't just about what you are supposed to come into. It's about who you are supposed to reach. In the charismatic, prophetic world, we get a word from God and we feel you're, we graduated already. And it ain't, it ain't time for celebration yet. It's time to work now. It's time to be transformed into the word that was given to you. It's time to free the slaves in your life and come into the promise of justice and righteousness that God has called you to. So that when you see some other people getting free through your life, then you can sit back and celebrate. When Abram heard the word of God, he didn't like say, hey, here we go, we, we, we've arrived. No, 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 that's not That's not what happened. It's not just enough for him to get a prophetic word. Look at this. Watch this. Abraham did what we need to do. Genesis 12, 4. Abram got this incredible prophetic word about a nation and inheritance and a people. What did Abram do? So Abram went forth as the Lord had promised him and Lot with him, and he was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. We need to trust God in our barrenness and not be distracted from the call on our lives, not to be distracted from the call on our house, and we need to move forward. God told Abram to go forth, watch this, here's how he said it, to a land I will show you. And here's what I will do in a land I will show you. Friend, there's more that you have not seen yet. Friend, there's more parts to the promise that you have not come into yet. Friend, God is bringing you on a journey into a place that He can give you your promised land. Can you say Amen. Stand with me if you would. I, I feel the anointing of God right now. I wanted to prophesy during worship, but I felt the Lord told me to do it at the end of the service. I want to challenge you today. We're going to have prayer again Wednesday at noon on Insta Live. The Lord spoke to me, Isaiah 58. 11 and 12. He said, the Lord will continually, watch this, this is a word for you and for me. You ready? The Lord will continually guide you. Now, this is the shepherding people. You don't teach sheep to follow a dog. The guide dog walks behind the sheep. And the sheep got to get moving, and the guide dog lets them know if they're off course.
They don't wait for the dog to go and start following the dog. They start moving, and the, guy, and the dog lets them know if they're going in the right direction. Come on, somebody. Oh, this is preach. And here's what the Lord says. The Lord will continually guide you and satisfy the desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a... Whoa, this is funny. I forgot this word is in here. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. I feel right now God is doing something. And I just want us to sing this song and just declare a song of surrender. I declare I trust you, God. Your ways are above my ways. Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Come on, somebody, lift your voice, let's sing. Come on, sing it out. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. 
and he's coming back for me. And today I say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. You are my God. You are my God. And I am your people. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. And guide me into the promise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Go ahead and give a call for the Lord. Come on, sing it out. I'm 
Thank you for those in the sound of my voice. I thank you for your promise on this house. 
you're taking this house from barrenness to the promise. Father, we trust you. Father, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with this church. We trust you with our country. We trust you, Jesus. And I pray, I pray that you would guide us and lead us as you promised into the promised land. In the mighty name. Okay, yes, Lord. Um, yes, divine appointment. I hear the Lord saying, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for those you're to share the promise with. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Give a clap off into the Lord. Help two or three people before you go. Happy Father's Day. If this is your first time here, there's going to be somebody in the lobby who wants to talk to you and get some, give you some information. And there's Father's Day refreshments. Amen. Give it up for our worship team one more time.